What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Apologia Radio. Hey. 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 In Arizona. Hi. And uh, yeah, we've had a busy couple of weeks, um, and we have all kinds of amazing, wonderful, uh, life-transforming content that's about to come your way, uh, both on Apologia All Access and just on YouTube. Uh, We were just given a great gift by God, and I'm going to talk to you about it right now, but real fast introduce, that's Luke the Bear to my right. Yo, uh, he's pastor and elder at Apologia Church in Tempe, Arizona, and that's uh, Jerry. I- I'm going to call you the voice and Nostradamus and Nostradamus <laughs> over Glad there. Glad to be here. And we have Rebecca, the lady to my left. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, the ones and twos is Marcus King Ginger Pittman. Hey, this is the hundred and fiftieth episode. Wow. wow! You know what? This Woo. is also yeah. this also is technically our three year anniversary. Is it really? Oh, that's Aww. right. Because it was December. Wow. Should have been last week, but we didn't do a show. Yeah, we didn't. Week, we so. didn't make a special. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So welcome uh, to the. Well, there three- was a very good reason that there we was a very good reason weren't. And let's talk about it. Making so, uh, an episode last week. Let's let's do it. So let's uh, let's talk about what we did. We went to. Uh, well, I, I I'll mention this quickly. I had told Apologia Church like I'm done for the rest of the year. I'm just gonna you know take take a break now and not be traveling and you know doing ministry for Apologia Church uh, outside the state of Arizona for December. <laughs> and then uh, we got connected with uh, Darren Doan and Douglas Wilson in Moscow, and they wanted us to come out. And when they, they fly you out, you go uh, to Moscow. You just go. No, you just go. Let's go to Moscow. Hey, you come talking to Moscow. About- look here. Look, uh, look, look, I want you to come to Moscow. I you think know. they named it Moscow because somebody got there in the winter and was like, we must be in Russia. Yeah, because You it come is, with me to Moscow. We wrestle, we wrestle <laughs> bears. Russell Beer's I'm a good trying. time we do in Serbia. I'm, I'm trying. Should I do Christmas backpacker music? Anything, just anything you want. <laughs> okay, we'll okay. do some Christmas. Okay, so um, so we go to Moscow, and we we did some top secret stuff that we can't talk about uh, that's uh, very. very exciting. And uh, we did some other things that you're going to get to see. Uh, but here's, I want to tell you, on the way, in God's providence, on the way to Moscow, Idaho, we had a layover. And I'll be honest, I thought, to the day we were leaving, I thought we were going to Colorado 
Somehow I saw something come up. We we're going to Colorado as a layover before yeah. we got to Moscow. It's because Jerry told you that. Somebody told me we we're going to my no before before Jerry. I ended up telling Jerry. I was like, we're I going heard to it Colorado. from someone. Yeah, so well, I thought we were going you. to Colorado. So it was like the probably. night of. I discover we're going to be in Salt Lake, and I'm like, whoa, Salt Lake! And I was like, oh, we're not going to be able to stay there. And then next thing you know. Everything blew up with the plane situation. Not literally. Not literally. Let's rephrase that. Look, I have, enough, I have enough trouble getting through TSA. Yeah, with really video that. Yeah. The, yeah. the NSA is tapping I'm this not, line right listen, now. Next I'm time you go to the airport, I'm a turban. We talked about blowing up a plane that podcast. Will you come with us? That. You have to be careful while you're in the airport with yeah. the certain words like bomb. Like, don't say bomb. Yeah. Uh, don't say yeah. Terry's. <laughs> don't, don't, say, don't be like don't be like Ben Stiller and meet the parents. Right, right, yeah. right. Jeff, Jeff still thinks he's in the airport right now, fellas. Jeff still thinks he's in a free country yeah, yeah, where he can just say whatever he wants anytime. Our plans didn't work out so well uh, on the way to Salt Lake, and so our, we ended up getting stuck in Salt Lake City, Utah, which was a very big deal for Pastor Luke and myself because we've always wanted to go to Salt yes. Lake City. Believe it or not, I've never been. Yeah. Uh, I've been all over the country. I've been to Los Angeles Temple, San Diego Temple. I've been, obviously, to Arizona. I've been to Washington, D.C. I've been, I mean, all, all across the country. I've never been to Salt Lake. And so we end up in Salt Lake City, and it's really late, and we're very tired. We have to turn right around in the morning, and we have to go to Idaho. And uh, we decided, look, we're tired, and it's freezing, but when do we get this opportunity to go to Salt Lake City to record something for Mormons. Right. And so we decided to go out. And I think it was like two or three in the morning. We were in front of the temple in Salt Lake and we filmed a video that you can use as a tract in a way for your Mormon friends and family. And so that's really what it's for. And Luke, did I mention to you that I thought it just dawned on me the other night and while we were at Mesa at the temple, um, we should take that video because it's the gospel presentation for Mormons. They hand it out. And we should put it on a DVD and we should hand that out. DVD! DVD! <laughs> so if anybody out there runs a business that uh, copies and distributes DVDs and you can give them to us real cheap, contact us uh, because we want to start using those as tracks yeah. and making those available for all of our listeners to hand out to Mormon friends and family yes. as tracks because this is like a little 13 minute gospel presentation. That's specifically catered for Mormons. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to YouTube, Apologia Studios. It's one of the last videos that we uploaded. Uh, you have to excuse my nose right now. It's decided to clog up on me in the middle of the radio show. Over 8,000 um, views already. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we just put that up. Um, so good. Got some messages already from... Several. Uh, uh, yeah, I got a message Several. from a guy that said that he's meeting with Mormon missionaries today. Oh, wow. As a result of listening, of, of people seeing in his family the, that video, and it's created uh, sort of a, awesome. a situation yeah. like nationwide. People are actually having yeah. conversations. So, um, uh, so, yeah, on the fly... If anybody owns any DVD distribution uh, company that can make copies for us at really cheap rates so we can help people get those, uh, contact us because we'd love to put those into kind of like a, an easily accessible form and cheap cost that we can hand out to maybe, people. Maybe we can put some of our conversations with Mormons on there too. Yeah, yeah, that would re be and really good. explaining like, you know, like what's happening. Yeah, because I think that people in our generation were so driven by media that I think that they would probably visually like be okay I'll watch the DVD but I'm not reading that stupid tract you know yeah uh, although people do read the tract and they do come to Christ so um, so we ended up there we filmed that we go to Moscow and uh, it was great I got to see the fruit of 30 years of ministry in Moscow that is 
uh, victorious kingdom mindset, mm-hmm. uh, Puritan mindset, which is uh, we're in, Apology of Church is, is a neo-Puritanical kind of church. Um, the, all of life to the glory of God. Jesus is, has authority over every area of life. And you get to see it in Moscow in the businesses and what they're doing. And it was, uh, we'll talk, we'll, we'll spend lots of time talking about it in the future. Um, but it was really a blessing. And you guys are going to get lots of great content coming up here soon. I did lots. interviews with Douglas Wilson, with Darren Doan. Uh, Luke and I did one with, with the two of them. We did another special project. Again, that's top secret. We also did something with ND Wilson and uh, others. And so get ready because it's some cool stuff. Um, Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, you in jail. Go on home. Merry They're Christmas. waiting for you. Merry I'll, Christmas. I'll be playing that. I'll be Merry playing Christmas, that. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, your old movie house. Um, so, uh, I was going to say the, uh, the, the Mormon video doesn't do justice to how cold it was. Ah. Uh, you can and see, if you can I see was that. cold, if I was cold... It was cold. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wow. What you like, don't know is Jeff had just been sitting in the car for half an hour warming yes. up with the heat on cold blast. <laughs> yes. And well, he jumped out to film it. I got out and we walked around and I started like actually my teeth were chattering and I couldn't get him to stop. So I was like, you got to get me in the car. Are you serious? I, you were that I, cold? Yeah, oh I my have gosh. this amazing video of Jeff standing in the street dancing. Because he's so cold. Did you really? I got that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We should put it up. You should put that. <laughs> you should put it up. It's funny because uh, I had I was I had the earbuds in for the sound, and he's in the car. I can hear the heat blasting. <laughs> he's like watching some video, and I'm like 300 yards off, walking around looking at stuff, and I'm like, what the heck is he listening to? <laughs> and then I hear him go, Luke, where are you? Where are you? So I like come running back to. Yeah, I and, jumped out and did the and 13 minute video, yeah. and then jumped back in the car again. And then they're Brigham, Brigham Young's house is right there. Yep. And so I was driving, so I pulled over because I, I wanted to see it. So I'm all looking in the windows because they got it set up like when Brigham lived there and stuff. And I'm looking on the windows. I'm all excited. And, and Jeff's sitting in the car and he rolls on the window. Dude, it's like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Look, we, yeah. Wait, just wait. Yeah. I'm tired. And we got to get up in the morning to go to Moscow to film all day in Moscow. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So, um, all right. So, what's up? Okay, a quick story. I'm going to just you guys to hear because it's, you know, we love to you guys for you guys to get into our lives and hear what's going on. I got to tell you this really amazing story. It was just a real gift. We had a, a big uh, church Christmas party at my place. And so, we invited the whole church and everybody came and it was like totally packed out. It was, I mean, there's so many people that came. And uh, Dr. White uh, came with his wife uh, to my place for, for the party and for dinner. Um, and uh, he shows up, and he's got this little bag that he's carrying around with him all all night. And uh, and he he you could tell there was something really on his heart. He wanted to do with that. You know, it was just he was just really it was just it was very special. It was it was very touching. So he had sort of prepared this entire like presentation for Luke and I. He wanted to give to us these gifts, and I ruined it. And you you weren't there. You didn't show uh, up. And so Luke wasn't there. And so Doctor I was like, "Where's Luke? He's not going to come." I was like, "No, he's not here. He's, he's he just come back in town. He's not going to be here." He's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I had this whole thing prepared to give to you guys, and I guess everyone's busy, so I'll just do it for you right now." So Scott was there, Solomon, and a couple of the people that got to watch. Uh, and he he presents uh, these very special gifts for Luke and I. And, uh, Which I don't have yet. I'm, I have it. I'm going to give it to you. And because uh, you weren't there, uh, so that's what you get. Uh, so, so then, then he pulls out of his bag this glorious, colorful sweater, 
and it's it's super special to him. I could tell like his face changed, and he was like, "This is my very first Kuji sweater." And if you guys know about Doctor White, you've seen videos of him. You can see actually the video that those guys just did of him, where he's making the demon faces. Yeah, watch the video. He's wearing the Kuji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in one of those pictures, my Kuji now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's, so anyway, so he's like, he's like, this is my first Kuji sweater. I, I went and and we got it in Scottsdale. It was like 15 years ago. It was like 300 bucks. And he's like, now nah, I want to give it to you. And I was like, wow. And so I get the sweater, and and Summer, his daughter, is there, and Summer's like, I can't believe he gave that to you. That's mm-hmm. like my dad's sweater. That's what I remember him wearing growing up. Yeah. Wow. And so he gave me this wonderful sweater. If you want to see it, it's up in my Facebook profile. I'm wearing the sweater. Huge gift, Dr. White. Thank you for that amazing That's gift. like the one part of the Star Wars trailer when you see the one person hand the lightsaber over to the other person. <laughs> it's, uh, powerful. It's, it's passing, powerful. It's passing it on. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not going to always wear this thing. I eventually, I'm, I'm see what I'm going to do. I'm eventually going to put it into a showcase. Yeah. And showcase showdown. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to have a special thing made for it where, where I'm going to hand it down into my family generations from now. Cause I think generations future to us are going to look back at time. And they were like, Dr. White was one of the giants of the faith. Yeah. And, and I'm going to have in my generational line, my kids will be like, look, my dad got the Coogee sweater from Dr. James White. I think it's his awesome. I think you should get a Dr. White wax statue and then put it on that and display it in your house. <laughs> and as you're getting it down, you could actually have you could have a book where you could document yeah. all this. Right. And every Christmas, when you give this away, <laughs> like you could like read Dr. the story. White. Yes, that's very good. So I think about it because, like you know, some people have like uh, yeah, uh, 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 Charles Spurgeon's like journal, and like yeah. I got a copy of his journal. Right. It's like, how'd you get that? That's crazy. How much is that worth? Yeah, and, his, uh, his son, his gra- or great grandson, actually has the last cigar case still with the cigars. Wow, that Spurgeon wow. smoke. That's insane. How much is that worth? Ten thousand dollars. That's I'd what like... he said he'd sell it to me for ten thousand dollars. I would like to have that. I would. That, yeah. that would be worth every penny. I think that's that's more of a crowdfunding thing. You go. Yeah. I need everyone to listen up, <laughs> <laughs> and I need you all to pitch in. Okay. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> this is not a joke. <laughs> yeah. All right. Forget the private jet. Yeah. You know, we want the, we want the pack of cigars for Spurgeon. All right, guys. So we have some cool stuff to talk to you guys about today. Let's talk about some cultural things. So the San Bernardino shootings. Uh, Tragic, uh, awful. You know, when it first started happening, if you watch the news reports, and we'll see if in this episode if I can find some of those news reports, when it first was going down, the liberal media was pumping out stuff like, well, who do you think it is? What do you think is going on? And they were saying everything everything except what it actually was there, there's a Planned Parenthood a mile away? That uh, was one of the well, we know Planned Parenthood is a mile away, and it seems to be safe. <laughs> and the next right. guy was like, "I don't know. It's probably white right wing extremists or some kind of th- something." These people are mad at the government, pro lifers, pro lifers, and it was really it's like everything except what it it could right. be, and 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 or was I should say what it was. And, and so it's just a really, it's an amazing time we live in where I think that, and Marcus, you and I have been talking about this a lot. I think people, uh, obviously people know the media is biased and they know they, they twist and distort facts. But I think people today are really, really capturing the fact that you really need a lot more independent news stuff from like social yeah. media to get, you know, a better look at the whole perspective. Because if you stay focused on Fox News, you're going to get 
Fox News's perspective and only their perspective, right. and they're going to slant in only their direction. You're going to CNN. It's only that. You're not going to get a full or picture of. Are you, like, are you saying that there's no neutrality? There's no neutrality. It, but they, Fair, that, unbiased. That's what Fox News says. That's oh, that's a lie. No neutrality. <laughs> oh, she has a sign that says it. No, that's great. <laughs> Rebecca has a sign she's waving around, no neutrality. <laughs> but now here's the thing. I think the gift of social media today is you get to get a full perspective because you get to really dive in. I imagine, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if they were pulling the stunts they are now in the media, um, and they were they were more respectable journalists 30, 40 years ago that really worked on journalism, reporting the facts. Uh, Ron Burgundy? Ron Burgundy. Uh, but... Uh, we, we are in a time where you really get to get the gift of a lot of perspective and a lot of answers to questions because social media is right there at your fingertips. So it's a real gift for us. Anyway, uh, in, in light of the San Bernardino shoot, shooting, Bernardino shooting, um, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, said something at an address to Liberty University. I want you guys to hear and I'd like to know what you think. So here we go. Jerry Falwell Jr., yes, the son of uh, Jerry Falwell uh, Sr., Senior. the big guy uh, from the, quote, religious right um, in the 80s was kind of his heyday. So um, here we go. When you walk in and you see the, the carnage and you, you smell the smell of gunpowder and you, it's just something that you can never be prepared for. So we contacted his family or his uh office after that report to see if he had any sons or daughters who were looking for a place to attend college. We offered to help with the scholarships. We also are trying to contact the, the victim who had six children who was killed in that, in that carnage. And it just blows my mind when I see the President of the United States say that the answer to circumstances like that is more gun control. I mean, if the people... If some of those people in that community center had had what I've got in my back pocket right now, <laughs> all right. So, what do you think? I, Amen. I, I think it's great. Okay. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's true. I mean, if 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 people in California, and California is one of those really difficult states to to get, yeah. you know, the, the mm-hmm. weapons that you need to protect yourself. So yeah. is Chicago. And, it's impossible. In yeah. Chicago. So here's here's like liberal utopia. Yeah. The Republic of California, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, they experienced this shooting, and you had uh, the public general public that's not armed. Now, here's the thing: if you come to Arizona and you go to any public place and you start a shooting, I can assure you of something: you're getting shot back. Let the shooting begin. <laughs> Let the shooting begin. <laughs> you will get shot back because at any given time in Arizona uh, there are people around you that are armed and uh, open carry there's constitutional carry state so you can carry open carry or you can conceal carry without a permit in Arizona it's it's constitutional carry now it's wise to get a uh, concealed carry permit in Arizona and uh, just uh, FYI Apologia Church is sponsoring our own concealed yes. carry class right now Yay! we have about 20, 22 Yay! people I think that want to um, but uh, we're having someone come in and do a little... Pri- we're doing a private screening, <laughs> uh, is what we're doing. And uh, anyway, but uh, this is true, though. If people in San Bernardino were armed um, the way that they, they, they should be able to be armed appropriately, maybe 
maybe two people would have died. That would have been tragic, but maybe two, right. maybe three, maybe four, but not 14. No. It, it, we, we would have saved and preserved some lives. If, if Californians love their neighbors, if politicians in California love their neighbors, it would allow people in California to be armed appropriately. Um, but here's, here's where it gets weird. Can I, can I say that? This is where it gets weird. All right, so agree with Falwell there. Obviously, it's it's cute that he would have a little gun in his pocket. <laughs> what kind of gun do you have? Do you put it in your pocket? Well, they have some pretty like an, an there's some little like ru- chick, some little ruger. Like a gun for no, chicks? there's some little rugers that will yeah? knock you down really? that you can put in your pocket. Yeah. All right, my well, brother-in-law carries go, one. You ought to just go all the way, Falwell. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a nice forty cal or something that you know you at least have to holster in your backside, like a python or a yeah. desert eagle or something yeah, desert eagle hey at the end of the day though he was still packing he's still packing yeah, so absolutely. praise the lord for that um but anyway uh this is where it gets weird i'm gonna be honest it gets a little weird is it is it illegal to pull it out i don't know is, is that anyway Yes, it would be if you were threatening somebody with it. That is, to brandish a weapon is illegal because it's like, you know, a threatening person. Where was, where was this at? Uh, Liberty University. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've always thought if more, if more good people had concealed carry permits, then we could end those Muslims before they, before they walked in. That's where it got weird. He didn't, he didn't say that really, did he? Yeah. He really said I, that. Yeah. Cringed a little that, bit too. That wow. got weird. That's really not loving your neighbor, is it? No, that got weird. Things just got awkward. It did. Yeah. Because the truth is, is that the reason for a weapon on your person to defend yourself for your property and your family and your neighbor is not specifically for damn dang Muslims. To end the Muslims. We could end the Muslims. Yeah. I would just say real quickly, I mean, I don't know what the fallout has been afterwards, him saying that. I'm probably going to talk about that. But the Fallwell Fallout? The Fallout fella, yeah. <laughs> the fella. But um, it, it does sound, just listening to it, like part of him saying, did I, that, like that just came out, and he's kind of trying to backtrack, like I said that. Oh, shoot. Well, I don't, I don't know, know, man. I don't know. It kind of sounded like no that. No pun intended. No pun intended. Oh! Hey, Steady Randy! Yeah. What's up? Steady Randy just showed up. Yeah. Uh. So, uh. yeah, what's that? What's it I, say? Something, failure succeeding, I don't Failure. Say it, read it out loud. Let's yeah. Don't fear failure. Fear spending your life succeeding at things that don't really matter. That, no, that really Yes. Does. Very good. Your beard oh, is good. Your beard is good. It's very good. Okay, here we go. So let's listen to some more. So, so I, I just want to... I just wanted to take this opportunity to encourage all of you to get your permit. We offer a free course, and let's 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 teach them a lesson if they ever show up here. So teach who the lesson? The Muslims? Attacker. But he just mentioned Muslims. In context, he said in the Muslims. Oh, the Muslims. Teach them if they ever show up here. So therefore, if someone comes on the campus who just happens to be wearing. A head covering or a burqa. Oh shoot! We better watch them and and that's the danger. The hands on the trigger. See, that's what I want. I yeah. don't want to do. Is that? Is that? Okay. Here's the thing. It was very convicting. You, you, we went to the. It was the 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 Southern Baptist Convention that they had here in Phoenix. Who you went to that? Piper was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. We were the city. Yeah, we were sitting together. So um, something very convicting that I think Piper said when he was there is they had just put all these pictures up of, of like, uh, Arabic people, Muslims, mm. wearing, oh, wearing yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. It was, like, just, like, all these pictures. 
And it was like very convicting to me, and this was years ago, um, because it, it, it was kind of, I think, you know, we all have that in our hearts because you watch the media and you get it. And like these people are not to be seen by Christians as enemies of war. Mm. That, you know, we're supposed to, I, I see a Muslim and I'm supposed to think about shooting him. Now, if you watch Fox right. News all the time, that's what you mm-hmm. that's what you think. Like these are these and talk radio too. It's really bad. These are our sworn enemies we have to kill. Yeah. But the, wait a second. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. We're Christians. The first thing we should see first and foremost is that person needs Jesus. Yeah. It's not a bullet that's going to end this crisis. It's the gospel. Right. And and I don't want to. I don't want to seem pithy and you know over. I don't want to like you know Jesus juke the whole situation. But I mean for real. I mean you're at Liberty University training up young people like in many respects for ministry at Liberty. It's a, it's a quote unquote Christian university. And when you talk about concealed carry and like you know protecting yourself, the first thing you bring up is like the Muslims. I know that it's context to San Bernardino, but I think there's a way that we need to talk about this as Christians where we stop getting the America Christians riled up and like seeing Muslims as simple enemy that we shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we're in a very interesting spot just as a country too, just because, you know, if you look at the, the leading candidate for the Republican party, he's really channeling what the extreme right really, really feels and believes in a lot of ways um, about Muslims and racism. Yeah. And I think, I I think it's like very, I think it's going to, it's a challenging spot too for, for uh, Christians. I mean, specifically where it's okay. How do we approach the situation? You know, being, being as you know, the Bible talks about being wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And where, where do I kind of, where's the line to where, okay, I want to be cautious. I mean, I may be part of that, uh, uh, the weapons course and I'm going to be getting my own handgun probably, next month or two i'm shopping for one but also how do we at the same time you know love our neighbor when they when you see a muslim not because i've done missions i've been i've been on the mission field and i've been in muslim countries yeah and yeah. it was interesting too like i remember the first time i ever went there just seeing like the arabic and people with you know head coverings and everything i was well, I'm, I'm intimidated. Yeah. Yeah, i was scared i'm like someone's gonna blow themselves up you know I, and, and that's just but that just because that's what of i'm what talking about the view and so it's a matter of how do we how do we operate as a Christian, you know, because at the end of the day, reaching, loving our neighbors and reaching to the gospel is not something that's ever going to be safe. And I think people right now, and especially people who are very much more inclined to the far right of the political spectrum are very much more, um, you know, we just have to be safe because this is America and get all you Muslims. You know, I've seen people posting stuff like all you Muslims get out of this country and take Obama with you. Well, listen, and I was like, and I watched a president truly that didn't know what he was doing. He didn't, he didn't know why he was there. He refused. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. But there's more. Uses to use the term radical Islamic terrorism he refuses to use the term. I don't even know if he knows what the hell's going on. I really don't. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. I can't believe this man is leading <laughs> in the polls and i can't believe yeah. that there are christians who don't know the biblical worldview well enough to understand that this man is absolutely 
um, antithetical in his belief system in so many ways to the biblical worldview. Um, I actually heard from Rush Limbaugh that the reason he's so popular is because the GOP is supporting him because the other alternative is Ted Cruz, mm. who can't be bought. So at least they can buy Donald Trump and they can sway him where they want him. But you can't do that with like someone who's got principles. Yeah. Mm. So that was from Rush Limbaugh. And I was like, wow, that's like the best explanation for his popularity I've yeah. ever heard. Well, it's not his hair. But I, I have a three-step <laughs> immigration plan. You want to hear it? Oh, like you if wanna, I'm president? Uh, yeah, okay. Let me okay. hear it. First step, get rid of all entitlement programs, all welfare. Amen. Get rid Amen. of that. Second step, get rid of all gun regulation. Third step, open up the borders. That's it. Okay. Interesting. That is King Ginger. <laughs> yeah. That's my decree. Right, yeah. Yeah. decree. yeah. Because yeah. if you if you do that, like it's not going to be a security issue if everybody has guns, and then anyone who comes over is going to have to work for a living. Yep. So we can afford it. Like like the immigrants that came here in the first place. Yeah, it's simple. So, yeah. Okay, here's something that needs to be, I think, considered. If we lived in a biblical republic where we had a government that also acknowledged Jesus as Lord... Like the early colonies, nine out of thirteen, uh, the colonies had uh, uh, um, uh, as the state um, pointed to Jesus, and in some places, you had to be a baptized Trinitarian Christian to run for office. Okay, so if we live in the biblical republic and we talk about people of different faiths coming into the nation, I think one of the things that needs to be paid attention to is that in Israel, you would not get arrested for thought crimes, right? Right? right, but you weren't allowed to practice openly or propagate idolatry or your paganism within Israel's borders. So you were welcome as a sojourner, and they didn't say con- they they weren't like putting a sword to your neck. You convert to Yahweh or die. Right, you just weren't allowed to propagate your paganism and all the rest within Israel, and you had to come into essentially a covenant recognizing the laws of Yahweh and that you would you would come underneath those laws and so there was you know sort of that kind of assimilation i think needs to take place in a biblical republic where you don't have necessarily the the, the propagation of these false religions jesus is lord over that republic but you still you don't say no muslims allowed i say this if jesus brings fish to your boat that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You let them come to your boat, and uh, that's, a, that's a very good thing. And, and the other thing is, too, if, if we lived in a truly biblical society with biblical laws, uh, people would very quickly give up their pagan gods to come and live here. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> they, they would. I mean, they would, because there'd be so much prosperity, and, and everybody... It'd be such a great place to live that they would be like, oh, I just got to give up Allah for this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would do it. And when justice is served, you know, you don't have lawlessness. You don't have chaos. So instead of, you know, um, leading with uh, racial prejudice against Muslims, you know, we should look at this from a biblical discerning, um, you know. Well, here's not be Jonah. That's right. So here's a here's a verse. Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy chapter four. God says this in um, verse 4, But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive to get today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Listen to this. Keep them and do them. 
For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear of these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I said before you today, the law of God and the statutes of the Lord were to go out to the nations as um, light, essentially, mm. to the nations. They were supposed to see in God's laws, wow, so just, so righteous, look at this God. And that really, I think, is, is, is the way of the world. When you have the word of God as the foundation of your society and the laws of God as the foundation of your society in terms of justice, the nations look in and they say, wow. What what other nation has things like this? Mm-hmm. What other nation has a God so near to it than this? Um, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, y'all. And um, I think that it's important for us over the next year during election season to think critically about what these people are saying, to filter through a biblical worldview, and to think about the fact that our primary mission as Christians in the world is to obviously glorify God, to enjoy Him forever, but also in terms of the gospel, we're supposed to reach people with the gospel. Mm-hmm. We yeah. cannot we cannot think about ending ending Islam by bullets and bombs because that's not how you get rid of right. things in people's hearts. You have to gospel have bombs. The gospel bombs. Yes, right, man. Absolutely. That's right. You have to open their hearts uh, with the word of God and with the gospel. So there you go, y'all. We got more to do. Be right back with Apologia Radio. That's Luke the Bear. That's uh, Nostril Domus. And uh, in the back of the ones and twos is uh, King Ginger. Steady Randy over there on the couch. And the lady. I'm the ninja. And we'll be right back. Beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy Thy downfall, protect your manlyhood, an epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code Apologia and you can save some money while you save your face. episodes there you guys can go through our archive 150 shows i guess we have now broad spectrum of uh topics and guests and debates and lots of great stuff so we're excited to have you guys check it out also you guys can be part of our apology all access you can join our ministry be a part of what god is doing through apology at church to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth one dollar it's only a dollar right now dollar donation and dollar, dollar we bill, hook y'all. you up with your own account you guys can get all the television 
television shows. We've had Dr. James White on, Denny Burke on, Gary DeMar on. We've had, oh man. Uh, Joel McDermott. Joel McDermott. We even had an amazing show recently on, uh, it was really a testimony, amazing testimony of somebody that was a lesbian that yes. came to, to Christ, Jackie Hill Perry uh, with Humble Beast Records. It was really, really uh, just an incredible episode. Um, I think if you watch it, you'll find great encouragement uh, that there is power in God to change, to be transformed and made new. Um, and so Apologia All Access right now is only a dollar donation. You guys get hooked up with all that stuff. You participate with us in ministry. It's a $7.95 uh, donation every month. You guys can do more. Some people do uh, to participate with us in the life and work of Apologia um, and getting the ministry of the gospel out across the planet. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, right now, for everybody that's signing up for Apologia All Access, uh, you can get uh, to be a part of our, our little gift giveaway we're doing where everybody who's All Access, including those who sign up for a dollar right now, will be put into a, a, a bucket or whatever we can, a, a receptacle of some sort, coffee can, <laughs> something uh, where we're going to draw and uh, an, empty, an empty coffee can yeah, an empty coffee can we're going to draw and we're going to have um, a special gift for you where we're going to fly you out to Arizona we're going to take you out to Meat Fest 2016 an amazing dinner in Scottsdale Arizona and a great salad bar and a great salad bar as well <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and a hunk of parmesan cheese hotel. you're going to spend <laughs> a day with us in the studio it's just going to be a blast and I, I think if somebody wins from Arizona uh, we'll, we'll have maybe two people or three people will come out we'll do this for if they're from Arizona we'll just tell them too bad yeah too bad <laughs> you're already here so no uh, so that's what's happening and, so if you guys are listening as sorry as a reminder um, if you refer somebody you get your name added an extra time for another every time yeah. so if you refer people to become Papologia All Access you get additional tickets to go in for the raffle for that big gift yeah let's do that let's refer a bunch of people let's do it let's, let's do, do it, it. Just post on your Facebook page. Tell people to join Apology All Access. Tag Apology Radio. And if you're already an All Access member, there's a forum that says All Access Referrals. And then have your friends put your name on that forum. And that's how we keep track of who got referred as a result. So. Yes, sir. And one of the things I would love for you to do if you're a part of Apology All Access, would you do this for us? Would you go over to Apologia Studios and check out the new content that's just going up into the world? The video with the Gospel for Mormons and a bunch of stuff that's coming very, very soon. Yeah, wait, we're near 20,000 subscribers now. Yes. Wow. And, and so. let me just tell you, for those of you guys that are part of what we're doing... You are helping all of that content actually be possible. You're making True. it happen. So, and that's that's the truth. So, I'm excited for you guys to see the discussions we've had outside the uh, Mormon temple uh, this Christmas. Uh, actual footage, you get to see it. Um, and so, oh, real fast. Um, Did we mention who's sitting right next to me? No, we're going to do that right now. Okay. Uh, so, here's the thing. Didn't remember, <laughs> we have shows that are like just very rigorous and theology and we hit some tough issues that a lot of people don't want to touch on Christian radio. We talk about abortion. We confront abortion uh, arguments. Uh, and we just do a lot of stuff that is pretty weighty and heavy. Uh, but we also have a lot of fun. If you guys are listeners to the show, if you listen for a long time, you know that we do prank calls. We like to laugh. We like to enjoy God. Are we and allowed to? Each, uh, yes, you can. Martin okay. Luther said, if you're not allowed to have it, laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. I agree with them. 
but we got a uh, we get emails from you guys all the time, and uh, we like to listen to you guys. And we did get an email that was uh, it was interesting. We got an email uh, from somebody who listened to our show, and I want to read it to you. And uh, it says this. Hi, guys. I'm a big fan of personal feedback hints. I'm sending you a message through these means and not through an iTunes review. But since you insisted, I will try to also put a review on that. Please okay? don't. Please don't. A friend don't, of Facebook do mentioned your <laughs> podcast, and I was curious to listen to it. I listened to two episodes, the most recent cast of the time of writing this letter on Mormonism and atheism. Just a few comments on your show. It was okay. I appreciate what you guys are doing. I rejoice that your media helps people come to Christ, educates people, helps them to think and answer some of the difficult questions this world sometimes asks. Why only okay? Well, from the perspective of how you episode, how your episode was structured and edited, I did not enjoy it that much. It took 15 minutes for you to get into the subject of your episode, as stated in the title. And in between your many interruptions, tangent conversations, and adverts, I felt it lacked the polish and punch that many other podcasts I listen to have. At some stages, I just wish the episode would get to the point. Ain't nobody got time for, for example, that. For <laughs> example, I remember at one stage how someone's phone was vibrating, and there were all these comments about it. I struggled to understand why was I not edited out? I'm it detracted sorry. from the flow the episode that was my phone some of my favorite podcasts include some from npr huh. and to give at least a christian example william lane craig's reasonable faith was some really good editing work okay here's the thing when we read, no! when, we read this, when we read this um this this comment uh first of all we're humbled uh by your critique and uh uh, we want to be gracious to you, so thank you for taking the time to send in uh, a message to us. But honestly, when I when I heard about this message, um, I said, "So you're saying it's a success?" <laughs> <laughs> we don't sound like NPR. <laughs> you're saying it's a success. <laughs> oh wow! Praise you went on the Lord. tangents, and the thing is, is it's on purpose. There are a number of great theological discussion shows you can listen to that'll go for an hour or two hours with a lot of theologians talking for two hours on theology. And we think those shows are very, very important. But we wanted to do a show that was absolutely unique, that can compete with what the world is doing, beat them, have a show that was real, that was relevant, that was fun, that was deeply theological and faithful. And that's why we do what we do. We like it that way. And Marcus, you had, I think, a great response. You said this. You said, I do hope you continue to listen to our show despite our lack of public radio characteristics, which, by the way, anytime someone tells us we're not like government-funded radio, we usually take that as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) So he wrote back and he said, well, I'm from Africa and we don't have morning zoo, hip-hop, urban morning shows. Yeah. So he's not familiar with that format. (laughs) Now you do. Yeah, so... Because Jesus gave us the internet. Right, exactly. The internet's dope. Like, I I tried to explain, I was like, you're comparing, like, apples to oranges. Like, NPR show style shows is a completely different style. However, for him, we do have... We wanted to satisfy him. Yes, so we have the NPR music in the background. That's perfect NPR music. Yes. So all we need now is an NPR voice. Where could we find? It's actually Christmas jazz, but well, it <laughs> yes. sounds like NPR. Yes. It sounds it's like NPR jazz. Yes. Um, where could we find an NPR voice? This is not NPR. <laughs> <laughs> Steady Randy is our NPR voice. Welcome, Steady. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for, for being here and being on. Steady, uh, Steady spends all day here on Thursdays with us. 
filming the television shows, the after shows, and the radio program. So let's do it. Are you guys ready to actually get to the subject? Hey, yes. real quick, speaking of... Hang <laughs> <laughs> on, my phone oh, is ringing. Oh, phone, no, speaking of, of phones going off, yeah. did you notice last night at my house when we were filming something... In the middle of filming, our producer's phone starts going off again. Yeah. In the middle of us filming something, which happened in Moscow. Yep. As Ooh. well, in the middle oh. of filming. Yeah. 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 You know, that's not really my fault. It's people contacting me on my Facebook. <laughs> Stop so calling much. me. I'm busy. Yeah. Hey, Randy. Uh, do you have any special Christmas traditions that you do? Wow, we have a big party over at our house. About <laughs> 40, 40 people will be there probably. Yeah. Yeah. You're right on. You were, and you were at my Christmas party. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was. Did you enjoy yourself? I did very Good. much. Good. Do you see my Kuji? Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> yes, and the Kuji, the bearer of the Kuji was, yes. with, was with it. That's right. The That's bearer. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, check it out. So hey, we, hold on. <laughs> His phone's no, ringing. I just looked. I was looking at our podcast or our iTunes comments. Just, It's perfect. This one's called uh, Good Stuff from a guy, tribe called Jake. He said, it's five stars. But it takes 20 or 30 minutes to start talking about the topics in the title with a bunch of Z's. That's Ooh. about right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you read some of those comments and people, the feedback people give us, they go, I love the fact that you guys have fun. You tell jokes, you talk about your life stories. It's not like every other boring theological show. So you know, here's the thing. We can't satisfy everybody, but we try. <laughs> so speaking of the subject today, we're spending a lot of time outside the Mormon temple. You guys are going to see those videos at Apologia Studios um, very, very soon. Uh, it looks really, really good. Uh, but I, we were outside the temple two nights ago, and it's difficult to get the modern Mormon to engage because... Uh, just there's such a change in structure, the structure of the argument. I think because the advent of the internet and the free access to all of this information and the history of Mormonism and Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, it becomes much more difficult for Mormons to create a coherent argument that's sensible and Christian and, um, and just there's so much information out there. And so Mormonism has always been very much like, it's about my personal experience. I have a burning in my bosom. I've, I've felt this. God talked to me. It was always that. But they used to try to take you to task outside the temple right. about 18 years ago. They would want to go to the scriptures with you. And they just it's just not common for them to do that any longer. They really want to go away from you. They don't want to talk to you. I mean, I'm literally chasing them down literally. sometimes saying, please come talk to me. Give me your testimony. I say that to them. I said it to a couple the other night. I said, guys, will you please tell me why you believe Joseph's a prophet? And they turn around scoffed and like walked away. I love what you said when you, when you, uh, we're, we're saying, what if somebody came up to a Christian and was like, do you believe that Jesus is God? And you were like, oh, no, we, gotta, we ain't got time, we gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Come to a Christian church and someone says, hey, tell me why you believe Jesus is God. What would a Christian, what would you say to that person? I mean, think about it, guys. If somebody came up to you outside of your church and they said very graciously and, and with respect, can you please tell me why you believe Jesus is God? What would you do? You'd be like, praise yes. the yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. Hang on. I'll buy you a cup of coffee and ice cream. Do you want to sit down for a couple hours? So, but I, I mean, you're chasing them down. So anyways, I, I'm a little more aggressive with the Mormon missionaries on purpose because I know that they're going out actively proclaiming a message of death on people's doorsteps. And so when I see Mormon missionaries, especially if I see them with people, I want to go right at it because right. I know that these people are leading people astray. 
and taking them on tours of the temple, those sorts of things. So here is a, a little clip. You're going to get to see the whole thing on our YouTube channel, Apology Another Studios. Reason to subscribe. Uh, yeah, so you're going to get to see the whole thing on, on YouTube very, very soon. It's the whole conversation. And let me just say, seeing it is very different from hearing it. Uh, the guy, like, puffs his chest up, comes over to me. I'll let you hear it, then I'll talk to you about it. Uh, can you guys let me know why you believe Joseph's a prophet? Because he was a prophet. And I testify you in the name of Jesus Christ that he was. Sorry about that. Which Jesus? We have to go. Satan's brother or the eternal God? Okay, so you'll be able to watch that, but those were two Mormon missionaries with another Mormon gentleman, an older gentleman, and, uh, you know, you hear me saying, you know, tell me why you believe Joseph's a prophet, but he puffs his chest up and he steps kind of like to get into my space, my personal area. Yeah. He got in. He he became a close talker there for a second. Yeah, he got in my personal space to, uh, to, you know, testify to me. Um, but I it think was weird. At least he apologized. Was, I yeah, mean, it's just he like he cut on a switch and just became this different person for a second. Yeah. yeah. And then immediately came out of it and was like, I'm sorry. And then walked away. I'm sorry, bro. Um, but, but what's really cool is that he walked away, but his, uh, his other missionary he was with hung out with me for a bit. And I got to talk to him for a little while and it ended with us hugging he asked if he can give me a hug, and I said, absolutely. And so, he, and so you'll see that soon. Apologia Studios, go check it out. I do want to apologize for the video quality of that conversation right up front, though, because Jeff had that conversation in pitch black where there was no light. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the darkest place on the whole street. Yeah. And they just came out at that point when we were walking. Out of the darkness. Can I yeah. say this, though? It was kind of cool. So in the midst of me witnessing to these missionaries, all of a sudden... This couple comes out of nowhere, and they were just walking down the street. They come out of nowhere, they walk up, they stand there, and they're just kind of like watching the conversation take place. And as soon as the guys walk away, they go, hey, can we get one of those tracks? I said, sure. And they said, what did they say? Marcus just said, you're Jeff Durbin, right, with Apologia Radio. Yeah, they were watching that conversation. Yeah, they said, we watch you all the time, listen to your show. These are the skaters? No. Candy said they were skateboarding. Were they skating? Oh, yeah, yeah, she did have a skateboard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. I'm in the middle of witnessing the Mormons. We were like, oh, we listen to the show. So praise God. Praise God. Okay, so I figured since um, we're doing all this outreach to the Mormon temple, this is on our hearts and minds right now, we'd play you guys a little bit of a clip that you're going to get to see. Um, so this is exclusive content right now on Apologia Radio. Nobody else has seen this yet, so you're going to get to hear it. Um, this is an uh, older Mormon gentleman that was talking uh, with his wife to Perry, Who's a member of Apologia Church, and I saw it, so I walked up, and uh, you're gonna get to hear it right now. Us and you is, I prayed to God, and God's bore witness to me that what I believe is true. The Book of Mormon is true. Joseph Smith was a prophet. President Monson's a prophet. I got my holy, the Holy Ghost is bore witness that's true. Regardless of what anything's written down, God has told me it's true. There you go. Okay. Regardless of anything that's written mm-hmm. down. Yep. God's told me it's true. That's the foundational the problem. Yep. So there there goes the beginning stages of the problem of Mormonism, and that is that Mormonism is ultimately, uh, although it has religious texts, 
it's not ultimately a religion of the text because it doesn't actually stand on scripture. It doesn't even stand on the text of its own prophets and apostles. Right. So, for example, Brigham Young could have taught something and you could have a Mormon today say, I reject that. And Brigham says, well, you're condemned if you do. And they, there's just this constant like back and forth confusion that you would expect in a man-made religion and man-made religious texts. But I want to say at the beginning of this, when you talk to a Mormon that says this, that God has borne witness to me that is true, it's important that we do what the Proverbs say. Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5, what does it say? Don't answer the fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him. And then it says to answer the fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So in this case, I'm going to stand on the scriptures the whole time I talk to the gentleman, but I also want to dig into that. And I want to talk about, well, wait a minute now. You've prayed about it, but so is the Muslim, so is the Jehovah's Witness, mm-hmm. so is the Christian, so is this person. And if it's not based upon the text of God's word, and it's just based upon personal experience, then all we really have is white noise. And so here's the, here's the discussion. Okay. And he's the final word. Well, can I, can I just ask you a question about that, your testimony? Um, do you believe that Jesus is not the divine son of God that he didn't die on a cross? Yes, we do. We believe he died on the cross. But, but he, atoned, he, he atoned for our sins. Yeah. He died on the cross. But Muslims believe in Jesus Christ. Yes. And they, they say that he is not the son of God. Well, that we he don't did, believe that. that. He did, believe, I know, but if you, could, if you could listen for a second. They said that he didn't die for sins. And so, but they have prayed about that and they believe it with all their hearts. Yeah. Between him, them and God then. So where do we go for actual solid God. truth. Do we God. go to God in his word? Yes. You okay. go to God. And, and God's and you go. You not, to God. not his word? You take his word, you, you look at it, you study yeah. it, you emphasize it, and then you go on your knees and pray to God that if what you think that says it means is true. Okay. okay. Wow. So what you think that says is true. Whatever you think it says is true. Now, first thing, and I want you guys to jump in here, um, is that's an internal critique. So in terms of like... Uh, a, godly standards of reasoning, which is what God gives us in his word, to do that internal critique is a step into what he actually said and draw out the conclusions. That's what I was trying to do there to get to the place where he can see the the foolishness of his unbelief, which is ultimately what it is, and then then point him to Christ in the gospel, which happens at the end of the conversation. But step into a system, internal critique, and say, okay, well, you've prayed about it, and um, so is the Muslim. Well, he believes that Jesus Christ was not the divine son of God. He didn't die for sins. Is he right? And that's between him and God. No, wait a second. It's not just between him and God. That's 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 a that's a global issue because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, which Jesus do we believe in? Because we got two right now in this conversation, the Mormon Jesus, mm-hmm. the Muslim Jesus, right? We're not even talking about the Christian Jesus yet. We're right. talking about these different Jesuses. And so what he says here is interesting because he says something here. He says, and I didn't get a chance to say it, but I would have loved to have said it, it happened so fast. When he said, you know, and whatever you think that says, that's what it is. Well, I would like to ask him as a Mormon, um, if somebody came to you and said, I'm sleeping with my, with my girlfriend outside of marriage, and we live together, and we're in an, in an intimate relationship physically with each other. But, you know, we read the Bible, and, and we think our interpretation of it is that this is completely allowed by God, and he, he actually loves it. He delights in it. What, what do you think he'd say as a Mormon? He'd say, oh, that's crazy sauce, right? <laughs> right. That's not possible. But you see, that's the internal critique. But so depends you guys, if you're talking to Brigham Young or not, though. True. Because he might... He might. 
He might have had a few of those. Which is strange. We saw Brigham's house in Salt Lake, and it was a lot of rooms for some reason. A lot of rooms. They didn't explain why on the sign, though. A lot of rooms. They didn't say why there was 20 A lot of rooms in Lehigh, too. Yeah? Yeah. A lot of bedrooms. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you guys feel free I to jump in. I'm going to go for, for more well, of the conversation. Well, I, think, I think it's interesting when you are talking to him how he appeals subjectively to his own knowledge over the Word of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I would have, I don't know, if, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but it'd be interesting to see what he would say if you were to say, well, what about like, you know, if Hitler looked at the Bible or slavery, the people who looked and saw that defended slavery from the Bible and they believed with all their heart that that's what it means. Or you, even you, like you could say, well, I, I look to the Bible and I believe in all my heart that Jesus is God and the Trinity exists. I mean, how would he counter that? He could just say, well, you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Well, it's a question. This is at a higher level an epistemological question about how do we know anything have justified true belief and so if you're thinking about the philosophical question how do we have a grounding and for epistemology well you see you've got a couple options you've got this man's system it's personal experience or pragmatism those sorts of things but you see that that is a failed view of knowledge just because it feels good to you or you like it or it's a preference for you or that's the way that you want to swing in the world it's like well wait a second that's not that's not a that's not a grounding for knowledge at all because if you take it out of the realm of the mormon and christian discussion and you put it in any other realm this man wouldn't reason that way Mm. yes so when you do these internal critiques whether it's an atheist or whether it's a mormon do you find that they sometimes get confused about what you're doing like all of a sudden you're agreeing with them and then you have to clarify no i'm just taking this on as an example to test its consistency yeah, yeah, yeah. What, like, for example, if I'm if I'm hearing you right, Randy, when when I'll say to a, an atheist when they try to appeal to some sort of, uh, you know, there's some moral atrocity in the Bible, and I'll say something like, "Well, you don't have a problem with that because you're an atheist," you know, and they'll they'll they won't catch it right away. They say, "Of course I have a problem with it. Yeah. Of course I have a problem with genocide and yeah. rape. Of course I have a problem with child molestation." Yeah. And I'll say, "Well, no, you don't because you're an atheist. They don't always catch it right away." And so that's why, yeah, it takes some time, you know, to, to sort of start to unpack things and explain to them. No, it's because you're an atheist and believe your protoplasm and that you're in a godless universe that, you know, that, that, that doesn't matter. So yeah, it takes time and it can be frustrating at times, especially when you talk to a person like this, that's, you can't see, you can't, I don't think you can really catch it audio wise, but he was pretty aggressive. Um, puts his finger on my chest and stuff like that. I thought one, he sounds a lot like William Lane Craig, <laughs> just his voice. Does like he listen to it. But uh, I, I was just sitting here listening. He, he's really not being even really honest because He's not actually praying about what he thinks scripture says. He's praying about what the LDS church has told him scripture says. Mm. So it's not even really subjective on his part. It's what he's being told. And I just, I just caught that when I was listening to it. I mean, all these Mormons we've, we've talked to yeah. they say the same thing, but it's not really even them. It's they're being brainwashed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I find it interesting when they're talking about what they believe it's as if they want us to believe the same thing. So they're at a point autonomous to themselves where they're very man-centered, but then they bring in, I think it's called heteronomy, where they they also want to um, push their views on us as well. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, I think I'm following you. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. 
Hey, I'm trying to think of the word you're looking for. Is it heteronomy? Is it heteronomy? Okay, I'm going to look that up. That's a big word for me today. <laughs> what was the, uh, remember the quote? I think it was in, I think it's from Brigham. Um, and it was in One Nation Under Gods. And he, I, I think it was Brigham. And he said, basically he said that if, if they, if they learn to think for themselves, we've lost them. Oh yeah, I do remember that. I, I don't know where that quote it's, is. It's though. in yeah. that. But it's in One Nation Under Gods. One Nation I, Under Gods. Yeah. Okay. Um, but essentially, that's what he was he was saying, and and it's so true. When you're talking to them, they can't think for themselves. When they get to a point where they're forced to think for themselves, out comes the testimony. Yeah, that's right. And and by the way, just so you guys know, in the Mormon Missionary Training Manual, which we have, um, <clears throat> Mormon missionary came to Christ and then gave me all the materials. That he had used, it had been given to study. But in the Mormon Missionary Training Manual uh, stuff, there is an, a section that says that that if you are in dialogue with an investigator, um, that and you you come across a person who's giving you scripture or giving you arguments, and you can't answer them, it just says, "Don't attempt to answer the questions; just bear your testimony." And so you'll notice we talk to Mormon missionaries. The first thing they do when you start challenging them is to say, I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints is the one true church, Joseph is a prophet of God. They just give you that, that. What that means, by the way, that's a good thing. That's a signal for you that they don't have an answer. And so they're doing what they were taught to do when they don't have an answer. So here's the clue. When they don't have an answer, they start bearing their testimony. That means that they don't know what to say. Mm. And so that's where you're in a good place to just continue to push the word of God at that place because that's where I think you're in a place where it can really take root. Um, All right, here's some more. Can I ask you a question? In in Isaiah 43.10, God says, Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. But as a a Latter-day Saint, don't you believe that there were gods before God and you can become one one day? We believe we can become one, yes. Yeah, and so but, but what would you what said, would you say Christ, to God there? Christ said the same thing. Be well, ye therefore perfect. Even sure. Even as I, your father, Dan is perfect. Yeah, about our, yeah, about yeah, righteousness. But, but no. that's not about becoming a God one day. What? Well, 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 no. Yes, it is. Well, uh, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven. That has has to do with righteousness, no. not becoming a God. Be, if you if you're perfect, you become a God. Yeah, that's what Mormonism teaches, but that that's definitely contrary see, to what Scripture says. No. Well. There you go. So notice, this is important, um, we have limited time out there. So you'll hear me always going to who is God and what is the gospel every time. I'm trying to get to the point of we're worshiping a different God and how do we come to know God. And so go right forward. Do you believe there were gods before God? You're going to become one one day. He says, yes. And so what's your answer for God in that text? Because he denies that that's possible. Well, what did he do? Did he answer the text? No. Did he did he try in any way to interact with it in a meaningful way? Mm. No, he immediately leaps to another text completely taken out of its context to say, be ye therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. See, that means we'll become a God. Yeah. And it's that, no, there's nothing in that text whatsoever about becoming a God. That is the standard God is holy. We are to be holy like God. It doesn't mean that you're going to become a God one day because the Bible teaches that he is God alone in the heavens above and on the earth below. There is no other. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 35 and 39. And so we're going to do more of this when we come back. Let you guys hear some more of this conversation and hopefully you'll get to see us soon on Apologia Studios. Right, Marcus? That's right. Right? Yeah. Absolutely.
I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. It's the theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Welcome, this is not NPR. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Steady. Oh, that's classic. <laughs> Hang oh. on, my phone's ringing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. Back into it. So here's more of the conversation with this guy, by the way, was a uh, older gentleman, but he was a returned Mormon missionary, which means that he served a two-year mission uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which means that um, he is obviously a well-equipped guy. Now, why would I bring that up? I'm bringing that up because I, let me be honest here. I, when we went, when we went to Salt Lake City, I really felt like, um, I felt like I had failed in some way. I really did. I felt like when I'm, I was at the temple and I was looking at it and I was out there giving this message, I felt like we're doing a lot in terms of reaching Mormons, but I feel like we've dropped the ball in some way because the goal is not to get a couple converts out of Mormonism. The goal is to put Mormonism under Jesus' feet, right? which means that we have to work harder. Mm. And I, I really felt challenged by that. Like, look, there's still so much more work to do and we've got to fight harder to get the gospel into the Mormon community. So, okay, why am I bringing this up? The gentleman knows his stuff. Because I hope that you're encouraged by this to see that an older Mormon that obviously knows Mormonism has gone on his mission. He cannot address the word of God. He can't answer it. And so it's not as though you have to have like all of this amazing, fancy theological footwork. Uh, by the way, I think you need to be ready you need to be ready with verses. You need to be prepared. You need to you need always to make sure be ready. they're always ready. But it's not as though you have to be this amazingly like fifth degree black belt ninja, tenth degree like samurai level, like you know, like Doctor White, Doctor White, like in order to effectively minister with the gospel to Mormons, you just need to know the Word of God. What do they believe about God? What do they believe about the gospel? And be ready because there are no answers. God's word is a two-edged sword. It cuts through things and God's word doesn't return void. You need to give it to him. So be ready, be available and give it to him. All right, so here we go. Here's more of the conversation with this older Mormon gentleman. 
See, to me it doesn't. Well, what would you say to God when he says, before me there was no God form, neither shall there be after me? I wouldn't, it wouldn't be an issue with me. So you notice, uh, hopefully you guys take this, take note of this. I've already quoted it to him, I think, two or three times now. I want you to know that it's strategic on my part because I've talked to Mormons or Christians that were Mormons that came to Christ after conversations and they have told me almost every single time it was that one verse you gave to me or kept giving to me and I couldn't get it out of my mind and it's what God used to convert me. Right. So I want to keep pressing the word of God here. It's not my creative arguments. It's God's word Absolutely. ultimately I'm pointing him to. So, I wouldn't well, say even, anything to him. Even though, even though that fundamentally denies what you believe about God? When I stand before God, and if it's an issue, then we'll deal about it then. So right you, now, so I, don't, I don't believe it's an issue. You're, you're prepared to accept God's condemnation for Joseph's revelation. I don't... That was tough, right? That's, that's hard to hear. You hear mm. someone so flippant about like God's holiness mm. and his justice... That he could say, well, if I'm wrong, I'll deal with it then. Oh, mm. before the throne of God? You'll stand before the eternal God who is a consuming fire, and you'll have taught people on a mission that they could become gods one day, and you'll have taught a different Christ to people, and you have spread this message of ultimately death, and you'll just stand before God and you'll deal with it before him then? Uh, that's not what I want for, for him or for any Mormon. Right. And, uh, but you'll notice something. That's his response to Isaiah 43.10. Well, if I'm wrong, I'll deal with it then. Mm. That's tough to hear, but that's the response. So mm-hmm. I'd like you guys to weigh in on that. Yeah, I like what you're saying earlier that God's word doesn't return void. I think sometimes we forget, like we have to make it so flowery. We have to make it fancy. We have to make it appealing so that we make it just good enough to where they will respond. That's not how it works. And when we're doing it that way, I think we're basing it on ourselves because we're wanting to see the fruits of our labors. We need to give them God's word. We need to do it in a in a way um, that is orderly. But we have to understand that it's God's word. He's going to do with it what he sees fit. Don't have to make it fancy. Use his word. It's powerful in and of itself. Yep. You know, like, ever since I got to Apologia Church, Mormonism has been a big thing here in Arizona. It's not in Virginia. There very few Mormons in Virginia. But uh, you know, the one thing that I noticed was when we were at the temple the other night, and we were actually standing in front of the temple, right? And Jeff, you said that there's a guy in there with a white suit, mm-hmm. and he's checking to make sure people are temple worthy yeah, to be able to come into the temple, and they yes. check your ties, and they check to make sure you're like worthy of entering the temple. Yes. And like the only thing that came through my mind was like, Jesus already lets us into the Holy of Holies. Amen. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. I was just God like, God destroyed what? that temple. Yeah. So I was just like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. We already have access into the into the Holy of Holies. That's the entire point of the Old and New Covenant change. Well, and and think, so, of, think of the pressure too, Marcus, like always having to be good enough. Like you can never hit the mark. Think about the pressure. Oh, I know. I know. It's, I mean, most of them don't think. I think uh, James White, you know, in his in his academy, he gave it, most most Mormons just give up on the idea that they'll be gods. Which they don't uh, even okay, try. Which, which academy will be up soon on ApologiaRadio.com? Yeah, Doctor White. What? Uh, I'm. It's just slipped my my brain here. What's the the thing that you guys, you and Cy were accused of, in that debate with the atheists? Um, what was it? What? 
the one guy accused you guys of of using a thing. <laughs> I'm just sounding really dumb he right did, now. He did one thing. They told he you said that. You, he said you were using it, and you're like, no, we never said that we hate that. I'm. It's oh, Pascal's uh, wager. Pascal's yes, wager. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I knew yeah. It, it's something to do with pizza or something. There's a Pascal's pizza where I grew up. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. that's basically what this guy's done, right? He's saying, well, if I'm wrong, then... Yeah, he's hedging he's a taking pass. a huge risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, the Mormon... Mormon wager. The Mormon wager. The Brigham's Joseph's wager. Joseph's wager, <laughs> yeah. The Brigham wager. He's taking Joe, the Brigham's wager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were wrong. Well, Joseph Joseph came along and almost 2,000 years after Christ and gave a new revelation about God and who Jesus is that is clearly in contradiction to what God has we already see, revealed. We, we believe that it's not. Well, I just gave you one example. The Bible teaches there were no gods before God. You can't become one one day. Joseph said... Okay, but, but then if you read Genesis... Yeah. God says, let us go down and make man in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let no, us. It doesn't say that. It says, let us go down. Yeah, well, because the Bible teaches that there is only the one us? God. Who well, are the us? Well, the Bible teaches there's only one God. And it says, let us create no, man in our single image. Our well, you believe in three gods of this earth. No. You do? No. Do you accept Joseph's revelation? Yes. Okay, we Joseph do. said, um, As a prophet. many men say there is only one God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are only one God. He says, I say that's a strange God anyhow. Three in one, one in three. It's a curious organization. All are to be crammed into one God according to sectarianism. He says it'd be a wonderfully big God. It'd be a giant or a monster. He says, I have always... He says, I wish to declare I have always... And when I've preached on the subject of the deity, I've always preached on the plurality of gods. Yes. Okay. Does, so, Jesus, does God the Father? Yeah. The Son, Jesus Christ, and there's a Holy Ghost. You Ghost. said there, there was three, only one. There are three separate beings, and so they're all it, gods. Is it three or one? There are there three one separate, in purpose. yeah, one, one in, in purpose, purpose, but you believe in three, three beings. Three beings, yeah. Right, so that's three gods of this earth. No, there's only one god. Okay, of this earth. three beings means three gods. Yeah, Christ okay, is a so god. Okay, so you believe in three oh, gods of this Christ earth. Is Christ a god? Well, Jesus is God, yeah, eternal he's a, god. He, he's a god. Yeah. He is, and god he the is the, the eternal god. He's God the Father and God Jesus Christ. Well, They're yeah, but you, people. but you believe that Jesus Christ is the spiritual offspring of Heavenly no. Father and one of his goddess wives. Well, we no, we believe You don't believe okay, that? Okay, yeah, okay. However, we were created in the pre However we were okay. created. However that was done. So there's a lot there, right? Wow. Okay. There's a lot. Now here's the thing. It's it's you have to and we've said this often. Well, Jerry gave me this and I've used it ever since. Um Nostradamus, which he's no longer with us. He's he's gone. He's he's alive. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gone. He's left the studio. Um not this earth. Nostradamus has left the building. Uh you have to convert the modern Mormon to Mormonism. In the conversation, in order to con to have them right. convert to Christ, ultimately, because you've got to push them to think about their system and what they actually believe, so that you can actually engage with actual Mormonism, uh, not their on the fly crazy, you know, misrepresentations of even their own prophets. Right. So when he says we only believe in God, it's like, well, wait a second. Joseph says that there are many gods and that there are three gods of this earth. Well, yeah, we 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 yeah, we believe that. It's like okay, no, so we have to keep pushing them to consistency, so you can actually deal with their system. Uh, and so a a lot of it is is kind of like chasing a greased chicken sometimes, because you know uh, you have to work really really hard to keep like hold on, stay still, like you know <laughs> stay still. Um, but uh, you know so. 
It's important to scale the language barrier. I didn't make this up. Dr. Walter Martin, in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults, says in the very beginning, one of the most helpful chapters in all of the book, he says, scaling the language barrier, you have to learn to get beyond the basic surface level language and dig underneath to say, no, this is what you mean, and this is what the Bible means when we talk about God. Um, and so now, here we go, more. Existence. Well, Heavenly Father and one of his godless wives. I don't know. How yeah, don't done. you believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers? Yeah. So how does that take place? They were all created. God created us. He created Christ first. So, and then he created right. the rest of us. So the Bible teaches in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, that Jesus Christ was always existent alongside the Father for all eternity. In the beginning was the Word. The Word, the word, the word was with God. God. The Word was God. God. It says he was in the beginning with God, and he created all, all things, things. All things were created by and him. And nothing that has come into being came into being without him. That's correct. So... Now, pause. He says that's correct, mm. but he can't believe that as a Mormon. Mm. You see, that's the thing is he hasn't thought through his system enough to even understand he can't say that, which is interesting. Luke, uh, wait, Randy, have you ever been uh, inside the East, the visitor yes. center? Yes. So have you ever I, seen the Christus? Yes, and I've actually been inside the temple before it was dedicated. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I did wow. that in Snowflake as well. So um, have you been in the, uh, the visitor center? I actually have not. No, okay. So when you go in the visitor center, there's what's called the Christus, and it's this huge statue. The Arnold Schwarzenegger Jesus? Yeah, it's the huge <laughs> muscle-bound Jesus, like, in the middle of the thing. And uh, I would call it a violation of the second commandment, except it's a fake Jesus, so it's perfectly okay. So, um, so, <laughs> so uh, you're welcome for that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, he says in in this this um, little presentation that he gives uh, the statue uh, that he's Jesus Christ and he created everything in the heavens and the earth. But there's a problem with that, and that is that in Mormon theology. Uh, you have Heavenly Father who was once a man who became a God one day and he has, uh, he has goddess wives mm. and he creates Jesus and Lucifer in the preexistence as, as well as us. And so you don't get the idea that Jesus is a creator of all things from Mormonism. That's a Christian idea. Right. But yeah. Mormons haven't thought through the system long enough to figure that out many times. So, oh, no, not at all. So uh, this is sounding a lot like uh, the other conversation you had with the guy. Which one? The one you had with Stefan. Yeah. Because you were pushing the same point. Yeah. That there's no gods before me or after me, and they're unable to, like, that contradiction just doesn't click. It doesn't, yeah, it with doesn't. Them. There's no response. And I'm wondering if you could take their inability to understand that contradiction and apply it like you wouldn't, would an atheist and say, well, do you have contradictions in your worldview? Could you, could you take it to that level when you're evangelizing to Mormons and say, you know, if I say one plus one equals two and then you say two plus two equals five or one plus one equals five, could you take it to that level that you would an atheist? Well, the, the, the atheist is the one that wants to, that's a good question, Marcus. No, no one's ever asked me that before. So the atheist is the one that wants to hang on contradictions and logic and right. everything else. They want to prize that, like with their logical, you know, they believe that. Um, and so, you know, that's like a big thing for them. But the Mormon though, Marcus, the, I, many times they're perfectly accepting of and comfortable with contradictions in their system because they've prayed about it because they have a personal experience yeah. that tells them otherwise. And so they're perfectly fine with the contradictions and, um, it really is Marcus. But it, they wouldn't be. Like, because even atheists aren't comfortable with their contradictions when you expose it to them. Well, the thing is, They'll though, just when you, say, oh, you're playing a word game. 
So I was, I, I mean, like, my, I, I don't want to bring it out of, of, of the Bible. Yeah. I don't want to bring the argument out away from the Bible. But I'm wondering because they hold so tightly to their Mormonism. Yeah. That if you take that exact same position and just place it in another area, it'd be interesting to see their reaction. To, you know, because if you take that into math, they're not going to prize, they're going to have the same exact opinion of math as you. Right. And then you would say, well, how come the contradiction doesn't work in math, but in between the Book of Mormon and, and the Bible, it's okay. Yeah, one of the things I think, I think that happened with Stefan this week, you got that conversation recorded, um, I did point him to that, that, that problem in the area of Brigham taught this God, but you're saying Monson didn't believe that and you don't believe that. And so Monson uh, teaches this goddess. It's you got two prophets in the same religion with two different gods. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that you're accepting of that. So there, I, there's a bit of that going on. That's a good question though, Marcus. I like that. Good. Jesus and Lucifer can't be brothers. Why? Because it says in John chapter one, you acknowledge that, that Jesus created Lucifer. No. Did, did Lucifer back the tape up 10 seconds? Yes, he did. <laughs> Yes, he did. Uh, he, created, you know, he created everything, uh, but not Satan. Right. Lucifer come into being? God created Lucifer. Did Lucifer come into being? Yeah. Okay, it says in John 1 that Jesus created all things that came into being. Relationship to this earth. Our spirit. Well, notice how you, as, as someone who's a Latter-day Saint, you have to add words to the text. And that's what concerns us well, see, for but you. See, that's, that, that, but that's why we believe. That's important to do, too. Uh, when you're talking to a Mormon and say you give them a text and then they start filling in the space with their own theology, right. it's, it's very important to show them that's not in the text. You, you've inserted that into the text. Because, I mean, the point is, is look, you have like this, this video that you guys will see soon is about 15 minutes long. And so that's 15 minutes I had with this couple, 15 minutes to talk about God and the gospel. That's not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And they were in by, you can't really tell even on the video, she's nudging him like the whole time trying to get him to go. And, and at the end, she just kind of forces the departure. But, um, and so you have limited time. So you have to really fight to like keep getting as much scripture in the conversation as possible show the contradictions in their own system and so that you can send them away thinking about it and and convicted and challenged. Randy, you got something? Yeah, I just when I'm when I've heard you explain this conversation, it's never quite struck me this way before. But as Christians, we come to a point in scripture where all of a sudden we we read something and it's personally convicting. It makes yeah. us a little uncomfortable. And in listening to this, I'm I'm reminded of when I kind of came to more Calvinistic viewpoint. You're a Calvinist? Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm growing the beard. I'm growing Woo! the beard. So, <laughs> so uh, but it's that it's that element of uh, you know jumping to another scripture, not trying to follow the scripture thought all the way through. That's the same kind of avoidance of logic as an Arminian that I experienced. Yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah, and I think yeah. it goes back to the whole Romans one eighteen through twenty that we know the truth, but we're suppressing, actively suppressing it. So when we're confronted yep. with the truth, our sinful nature is to not want it to expose and cut us. Yeah, right. So we talk about the crushing, the crushing weight of trying to be perfect in the mm-hmm. system of Mormonism, and uh, in in Arminianism, we're making this choice, and yet when you come to the God of the Bible, you get freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you say he's in control. He's right. sovereign. sovereign. I need, yeah. to, I need to face this and and deal with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good, Randy. That's nice. I'm glad you, know, you brought up Romans one too because it doesn't apply just to atheists, does it? Yeah, that's right. No, it does not. 
<laughs> yeah, because, okay, this is important because Sai Sai does want to go down this road a lot, and um, and uh, Sai will say he's asked this question to to me and to Doctor White. He's like, but but can't we also press this line of thinking? That the Mormon also has no excuse before God, and he's an idolater, and he knows the true and living God. And the answer is yes, but presuppositionalism isn't about... This is important to say. Presuppositionalism is not this. You know God. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. That's not presuppositional apologetics. It's an aspect of the apologetic is to say the Bible says you know the true and living God. You're without excuse and you're suppressing the truth. Let me show you how. That, and, that's why I think I brought it to the math thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it shows that no, 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 they don't believe in contradictions. Right. So why right. are they believing in contradictions there? Because you're an image bearer. That's very, very good. Yeah. That's very, very good. That's a well good argument. Well done, Marcus. Very awesome. good, Marcus you're Pittman. Uh, I learn a lot editing these videos. Yes, you do. What do you know? So, um, but here's an example. The Mormon has created a false god. He refuses to worship the true and living God, so he worships and serves the creature rather than the creator. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely, that's true with Mormonism. What are they doing? They've created a god yep. who was, was a created god who became a god one day, and he's a creature. The god of Mormonism is literally a creature. Mm-hmm. Did you catch it? So Romans 1, they suppress through the God like of unrighteousness, literally. like literally, and they switch God for idols. They worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Mormonism is absolutely in Romans chapter 1. So, by the way, are, are you um, before Jesus? But uh, let's continue. Even personal revelation. Right. Because we don't believe that that was translated correctly. Right. So you disagree with God. No. Well, he says we, in his we, word. We believe in man's interpretation of what God said. Well, do you agree with Jesus in Matthew 24 where he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away? That's correct. But, but, so but, then you, but you, you agree? That's, I agree, but. That's correct. <laughs> but. 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 Uh, this would be good to, to be armed with texts from God's word. Um the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will by no means pass away. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. You see, the Bible teaches God's word is secure, that he will preserve it. It's important to be ready with those because Mormons watch every single time when you bring texts to them that contradict their system and their God and their gospel, they will say that book has been corrupted. That's the, if it's not falling back to the personal experience, it, it's a fallback to the Bible's been corrupted. And so you need to be ready to show that Jesus says the Bible can't be ultimately corrupted, but you're saying that it was. So now I need to put the Mormon into a fight with Jesus. That's important. Jesus, Jesus prove to me that that's the real word of God. Okay, well, there's a couple ways to, to, to go about that, but to... There's only one way. Well, there's a couple ways no, to go there's about... there's only one way, and that's to ask God. Well, okay, well, the Muslims have asked God, and they don't believe Jesus Christ that's died on the cross. And, that's between them and so God. So are they right? That's between them and God. Are they right? I don't believe they are. But, okay, but so how do you know they're not? If a Muslim told you Jesus didn't die on a cross... How would you show him that Jesus certainly did die on a cross? I would say you need to go back and you need to pray again. They say I already have. Jesus and, isn't, didn't die on that, a cross. And that's between you and God. Do you believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel? Yes. You do believe me, Jesus is Michael no, the Archangel? No, no. Okay, so the Jehovah's Witnesses Christ, their Jesus is Michael the Archangel, yeah. the first and greatest creation of Jehovah God. Are they right? It doesn't matter. That's it doesn't matter. Them and okay. their father so when heaven. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life; right. no man comes to the Father but by me,", me. there you're suggesting that there are other Christs that can save 
No, there's only the one Christ. Well, is he Michael the Archangel? No. Is he Lucifer's brother? Yes. Okay, is he the eternal God, the creator of Lucifer? No. Thank you. So that's the see, you have three Christ there. One Michael the Archangel, one Lucifer's brother. I believe that. I know that, but you believe in a Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to see that that's not the Jesus of Scripture. He's a Jesus who cannot see, save. I, I believe that he well, is. Well, I showed you in John chapter 1 where I, he's the creator. Uh, we, we, could, we, can, we, can, we can tie Scriptures back and forth all day long. Well, you notice you haven't answered in Scriptures. You've just told, you, told us what you believe. I, but There's a difference between I, I, your I, convictions I can, and what's actually true. I can, I can, I can quote you the Scriptures, you know but it wouldn't do any it good. But it wouldn't. you'd quote different Scriptures. Would, would you? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just like, but it wouldn't do any good. I mean, it was just, wow. What do you do with that? So ultimately, you're going to yourself for what you feel. And, and mm-hmm. notice right. the distinct separation between what is a Christian mindset rooted in the text of the Word of God and the Mormon mindset. They're not the same. Right. The Christian mindset is the kind of mindset you see in Isaiah. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. The Christian mindset is the mindset of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, where he goes into Damascus and he goes into the synagogues, reasoning from the scriptures, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. The Christian mindset is the mindset of Apollos, who was eloquent and he was mighty in the scriptures and he vigorous, re- vigorously refutes the Jews publicly, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. You, the Christian mindset is the mindset of the Apostle Paul at the Areopagus, Mars Hill, who goes there and he reasons there in the place of toughest philosophical debate and dialogue. It was the place of the Epicureans, the Stoics, and this is the place where they debate and they talk about philosophy and the world and life and metaphysics and knowledge. And that, the Christian mindset engages the world, but the Mormon mindset is don't look behind the curtain. Hmm. Don't look behind the curtain at the man behind the curtain. Right? Don't research. Don't look. Don't investigate. Don't ultimately study. Now, it's not to say that Mormons don't have fair or had fair and and farms and all these other Mormon apologetics associations. But you see, that stuff doesn't typically make its way into the average Mormon because the arguments are bad anyways. Yeah. And the Mormon on the street has to essentially say, listen, I've made a faith commitment here. It's a blind faith commitment. I've prayed about it. It feels good to me. I love this community. And so I embrace these beliefs because it feels good. But the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. It is corrupt. It is sick beyond cure, some translations say. Who can know it? And so, Jeremiah 17, 9, you can't trust your heart. You can't trust your feelings. The Bible teaches about our condition that we are non-God-seeking, not righteous. We suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. The wrath of God abides in us. And Jesus says, men love darkness rather than light. Now, you can't be in that state, loving darkness rather than light, and think that you're going to make wise spiritual decisions. You just can't. If, if our condition is sin... In, in sin and fallen and enslaved to sin as Jesus says in John chapter 8 then you can't expect a slave of sin to make cogent spiritual like thinking right. like you know you can't do it so it's important I think for anybody to be humbled by the truth of our condition we are wretches before holy God all knowledge is found in Jesus Christ That's without right. Jesus Christ no knowledge. No knowledge is possible, ultimately, yeah. So let's do a little bit more, and then we'll be done. Would you agree that Paul, when he went to the synagogues in Acts chapter 9, would you agree he was doing what is righteous and godly and good when he reasoned from the scriptures with the Jews to show that Jesus was the Messiah? Yeah. So it's not wrong to do that, is it? No. Okay, so let's let's engage but, in that. But, but, but I believe it goes beyond that. 
I don't believe that that's that's correctly translated. I, I know because Joseph told you it wasn't. No, because yeah, Jesus because says if it was translated correctly, there wouldn't be Christians, Baptists, Wesleyans, Methodists, Catholics. We, we okay, ready? What does the Bible say? This is important. What does the Bible say? Twofold apologetic methodology. We call it one is don't answer the fool according to their folly, mm. lest you be like them. And two is to answer the fool according to their folly. Okay, now what did he say here to the Christian? You're going to hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. If you witness to Mormons, you will hear this. Be ready for it. They're going to say, if your church was true, why are there so many denominations? Mm-hmm. That's what they'll say. Okay? And it sounds so strong because you're standing in front of a Mormon temple in this big Salt Lake City church, and you're like, wow, yeah, the Mormons in this unified community. And they go, but look how many different Christian denominations they are. But if you think about it, if you really stop to think about it, you'll find the problem. It'd all be one. Well, well we have the if same... It was, if it was all... Well, if it was clear... If we used... would all be one if we had, religion. If we used your standard, then I would ask you, what do you say about the over 100 different sects of Mormonism? Well, there's only one. No, all there the rest, no. Oh, no. All the rest the of RL, them are... Are you, are you RLDS? There's no such thing as an RDS anymore. Are, are, are you are you with uh, are you with Temple Lot? Are you with uh, any of the the polyg- Christ? No. Are you okay? No. Are, are they wrong? We believe they are. Right. So so your argument about all these different versions really doesn't hold any water because if you look and use that standard, use it to apply it to yourself. There are over a hundred different sects of Mormonism that would all say you're apostate. Yep. Yeah. So. But, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that's it. That's and they a, all prayed about it too. Yeah, yeah, they've all prayed about it too. So, so there. I th- hopefully, there's is a helpful discussion in terms of uh, getting you ready to talk to your Mormon friend or family member. Um, so go, go to those texts, Proverbs twenty uh, six verses four through five. God tells you how to reason with people. Can you find those on the Olive Tree Bible app? You can find those in the Olive Tree Bible app. And where would you find the Olive Tree Bible app, Mr. Ol- Pittman? OliveTree.com slash Apologia. Yeah. Great then, Bible software. Yeah, I use the code Apologia20, get 20% off. And guess what? What? I just got a text message from the guys at Mission Aware. Uh-huh. Who want to do a Christmas uh, special for our listeners so they can get gifts for their friends. Oh. So... If you go to missionaware.com and you use the code APOLOGIA10, you can get 10% off your order. And nice. you have to order really quickly in, in order to make sure that it arrives in time for Christmas. So, now's the time. Get your missionaware sh- shirt. I got the coolest shirt. Can I talk about you the shirt? The you can. Shirt. It is a silhouette of Charles Spurgeon. It is his face, but he is smoking a cigar and a cloud of smoke is around him and I just love the shirt it's the greatest shirt I've ever received it's nice. pretty awesome so thank you Mission Aware for my smoking Charles Spurgeon shirt they nice. should they should make a shirt with with St. Nicholas slapping Arius <laughs> they really <laughs> should I'd rock that, that would be, yeah, that really that'd be awesome that'd be awesome alright guys so a couple things before we leave you for the next week I want to encourage you guys to keep checking um, YouTube Apologia Studios on YouTube this month because We've put a lot of work, honestly, a lot of work into getting content of us doing evangelism outside the temple so that these videos can bless you and Mormons. And could you do something for us? Can you share the videos so that we can get the message of the gospel to the Mormon community? Um, I I, I really meant that when I said I I felt convicted. 
like, because I've been so busy doing so much ministry and we have a church plant happening in Kauai and we have all this stuff going on that like I'm, I'm sitting in Salt Lake and I was like, oh my gosh, like I really feel like I've dropped the ball here. Like we can do so much more. And Luke, when we first planted the church and we first were doing everything, we, you know, we were trying to do conferences and debates. I had a Mormon bishop in Maricopa agree to debate me, then he backed out. But we just kind of stopped after that, like really pursuing getting, getting in their community and really bringing the gospel to them. And I think it's time to, to hit hard. Yeah. I think it really is time to hit hard. It's a blessing to have 20, 30 people show up at the temple. I know. Instead of just you and I standing there. It'd be awesome. It it would be awesome to move Apologia Church into the Mormon Temple in Mesa for services. Just take over the temple. Just cut it out and take it. Just change it all out. I've been asking God for dominion every time I pass one of their buildings. Yeah, man. It'd be awesome. That's how we need to think, though. All right. We're just going to eradicate it. So. Yeah. So um, I will remember there are many multiple infinite gods no more. That's that's right. Amen. So um, (laughs) if you can help us by sharing those videos when they go up, there should be one up by next week um, uh, or this week when you hear this. I I imagine there'll be something up. So um, apologies, studios and YouTube. Don't forget all access. You guys can participate with us in ministry. You donate right now. It's only a dollar. You can refer people, get more tickets into the raffle for the gift giveaway. We're going to fly you out, hotel, food, and you'll be in the studio with us. All that stuff, it's happening. We're going to do that at the end of December. And so thank you guys for partnering partnering with us. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm grateful for all that God's doing um, through our ministry. I'm grateful for all of you guys. Thank you guys for the encouragement you guys send on a regular basis. We do see those messages and we're grateful for them. So thank you guys. Pray for us, please. Pray for Apologia Church. We're on mission this month. Uh, Luke is right. We had about 20 people from Apologia Church with us last week um, at the temple. And that was a real blessing because mm. Luke and I can tell you about untold numbers of days that we were out there with just ourselves. Mm. Uh, and so it's just really cool to see what God's doing out here in Arizona. Uh, so pray for us. And uh, Randy, with that NPR voice, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> the lady... In jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. In jail? What? No, I was finishing <laughs> when he said to Randy. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's uh, Ginger over there. All right. King Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right, guys. So thank you guys so much. Check us out. ApologiaRadio.com for all those past episodes. Share one with somebody. And uh, we love you guys. Thanks for listening once again. ApologiaRadio.com. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time. 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory!